Is it? and <coughs> You got a cough? All right, take 17. <coughs> oh my God. Will somebody get this man a lozenge? It's Peter Von Schalley part two. We're starting Wait, with the priest. No, 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 no. Start over, start over. <laughs> Why? Because. <laughs> take 47 and a half. I hate my life. Go. Welcome to Bonehead, everybody. Oh, that's a good one. I yeah, thank you. <laughs> Subscribe. This is Peter Von Schalley, part two. We're, we're starting with prehysteria. Why, my God, you're always talking on top of me. That's right. We're starting with uh, his uh, work on prehysteria. Again, uh, continuing the conversation <coughs> with, about Charlie Band, but we also get some great stories about... Sam Raimi. So go back. If you haven't listened to part one, this may not make as much sense, so you may want to go back to that. But tune in. This is the continuation of our conversation. It ran long, but we had so many great stories. We did not want to make. We wanted to make sure you got all of it and did not want to cut anything out. Listen to this. This is classic. How things got to be where they are. Uh, now the the sequels to me are just unwatchable. Uh, the, the sequels are yeah. so bad because they didn't even do stop motion, you know. And they made these puppets. They made these great stop motion puppets, and they hardly used them, you know. Uh -huh. any stop motion in prehysteria which was really just there i i was envisioning tons of it you know? right and now they, they articulated the cable puppets that they made were pretty good for yeah. what they were especially the tyrannosaurus it was pretty articulate but the stegosaurus couldn't do anything it was just like a blob of rubber <laughs> you know could make the tail move with a wire or something a little bit you know so it was eh, you know it wasn't what I had in mind, but they were the only ones that, that I could get interested in making the movie. And I made money. You know, I got a producer credit. I learned things. We were on set. I directed second unit. Uh -huh. I directed a bunch of second unit on Pet Shop, the next one that we made, which was really fun. Um, you know, and the only money that we didn't get, now I talked about Charlie Band. You know, you talked about him owing people money and stuff. The yeah. money that we didn't get was the back end money. That's all. Right. And... Paramount took over his shop after a while, which is really a shame because he had all these people and, you know, he was making movies, cranking out movies. Here's one story for you. We were in, the, me and him were in his office and he had all these posters for movies that hadn't been made. He would come up with an idea, you know, like skulls, you know, <laughs> mandibles, right. whatever, you know, just, just a word. And he would go, oh, that's cool. Then he would have an artist paint up a poster. Uh-huh. Shrunken heads, you know, uh -huh. netherworld. Mm -hmm. And he would take these posters around to the film markets and stuff and sell them. And, you know, you get a million bucks, a couple million bucks to make a movie. But he once said to me, you know, hey, it's almost a shame to have to make the movies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much fun to make the posters and sell them. And it's like, yeah, after that, ah, shit, we got to make the movie. I was going to say, because Shrunken Heads got made, so. <laughs> I know it did, and, and Danny Elfman's brother directed it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And we actually, uh, I brought that movie up in episode three or four of our podcast. Yeah. It's Rich, is, it, is, okay. it, is it Richard Elfman? Yeah. It's Richard yes, Elfman, Elfman, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. You know, another thing that's funny from this vantage point, is that, and it's great that, that people, because I, I go to Monster Palooza and these conventions, because I do, 
I write and draw and publish my own books. Right. I go to these shows. Mm -hmm. And when I meet people there, they, oh, you did Prehysteria, I love that, or Nightmare 3. That A lot of people seem to like Nightmare 3. And at the time, you know, because I grew up in the ancient days where the classics were Frankenstein and Dracula, right. and Karloff and Lugosi and King Kong and all that, Creature from the Black Lagoon. So all this new stuff was just a bunch of new crap that, you know, eh, you know, this isn't, this isn't who's going to ever remember this, you know? And not that it was bad, but you never expected all these years later people to be going, oh, like, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street, oh, a classic. You're like, what? You know? <laughs> what? That's uh, that's that's funny because we asked, we asked Mick Strawn the same question and the last time we had him on the show of what movie do you get asked about the most that you can't believe that you ever would have gotten asked about asked about and it was Critters 2. He says he gets asked about Critters 2 all the time and he never would have thought anybody would ever have given two shits about this movie, right? right. What was the other one? Yeah. Uh, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, oh yes, uh, it was a movie he did for Canon called uh, Bo uh, "Break Into Electric Boogaloo," which is, okay. I think, famous because of the title. Honestly, yeah, people yeah. always remember uh, "Electric Boogaloo." But yeah, Critters too. He right. said you never would have thought. Who cared? And they started thinking about all the crap that they throwed out and they just got rid of that would be worth a fortune now. And you know, uh, in terms in terms of your career, I actually called both of these jerkwads up and said. He worked on Mom and Dad Save the World. <laughs> yeah, Greg, Be Greg Beeman. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually said, I know, yeah, he directed License to Drive as well. <laughs> Did he do anything, Chad? This is a conversation we had earlier. Anything after that. And I guess he went on to do a lot of television. Bushwhacked, yeah, yeah. he's done a lot of television. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, a lot of them, you, you know, you're making mm -hmm. these movies and you probably never even thought at the time that they were going to have an impact on people 10, 15, 20 years down the line. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Mom and Dad Saved the World, that's another one, you know, that I forgot all about that. My son was going to be in that. Oh, really? And and, and he was he was little. I can't remember how old he was, but five or six years old. And they, they had him dressed up like a little caveman. He was dirty and he was great. <laughs> <laughs> And he's just this tiny baby, and he's standing there, and Greg Beeman's looking at him. Okay, now, when I say go, I want you to run over there and grab this thing and do this. And he's just looking at him, and he just goes, Wah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, You know, it's like, he doesn't, he, and he goes up to, to Andrea, and he goes, Mama, I can't do it. <laughs> so, so he, did, he did not get to be in the movie. Uh, but, you know, I, I met... Um, Tony Gardner, uh huh, and and Kevin Yeager and a lot of those people and right. they were great. Just the greatest guys in the world. And I could go to their shop. Now Robert England was always being a smart ass and being, being funny uh -huh. with Kevin. Kevin's trying to put the Freddie makeup on him, and Robert is just cracking jokes and he won't sit still and he's fucking <laughs> around with Kevin. And he's just a hilarious character. Yeah. But you know, it again in those days. Now. In, on, on the green, just to, by contrast, on the Green Mile. Now, the Green Mile had Tom Hanks in it, so movie, right. movie star, you know. And these other movies where you could go to the set, and I used to go to the set and watch them film and everything because it was fascinating to see the sets mm -hmm. and everything, you know, to see it all happening. Um, but on the Green Mile, I brought my little digital camera, which was new. You know, hardly anybody had digital cameras right. Right, at that point. And I, and I was walking around taking pictures of the electric chair and the set and stuff. 
And the set photographer came over to me and he said, who are you? And I said, I'm the storyboard artist. He goes, well, what are you doing with the camera? I said, nothing. I'm just taking pictures of stuff. He goes, well, you can't do that. One of the stars, I don't know who, noticed and, you know, sent him over to tell me, you know, who is that guy with the camera? Right. And and that was my first encounter with, oh, you know, on, on big movies, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and the guy the guy was real nice to me. He came up later and I said, look, I'll, I'll take the camera out and put it in the car. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Uh-huh. And he came up later and he said, hey, listen, I didn't mean to be an asshole about that. But, you know, we have to watch it because the next thing you know, the, the picture's in the Inquirer the next day. Right, yeah. You know, and we have to, if we see anybody with a camera, that's like a red flag. It's like, oh, okay, so it was a different, there's different levels of stuff, you know, in the movie world. Uh, okay, but, um, go ahead. Yeah. I, well, I we, no, I we have a cliched question we ask quite a bit, and uh, basically what it is is, do you... Who is the worst and who is the best director that you worked with? And the reason we ask this is because we usually get a really good story, either about the best or the worst, depending. Does that make sense to you? So yeah, sure. Well, I was starting to say that, I, you know, because I met Tony Gardner, uh-huh. you know who Tony is, right? Absolutely, Tony. And then I knew, uh, who, who was you, Tony Gardner and the other one? Uh, he, he did, uh, Tony Gardner did the makeup for Darkman, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. And I had seen e- Evil Dead, uh-huh. and I, I thought it, I loved Evil Dead, you know. So, right. Um, and I knew Tony from The Blob, uh-huh. maybe some other movies. Um, and so I read in Fangoria or someplace that Sam Raimi was making this new movie. Yes. And I wanted to work with him because I liked Evil Dead. So I called Tony Gardner and said, "Hey, you know, I read you were working on this movie. How can I get in on it?" And he said, well, just call Universal and ask for Sam Raimi. <laughs> and he said, yeah. Which, so and, and, the re- and the reason there, Dark... The thing I know, I'm talking to Sam Raimi. And he said, um, yeah, we're getting ready to make this movie. Tony recommended you. Sure, come on in. So they were in sort of a little trailer type of thing over at Universal. Uh-huh. I went over and I met him. And um, he, I showed him some storyboards that I did. And he liked them. And... Actually, he paid me kind of a compliment. He liked the storyboards because it was something that I had made up, and it was a continuity and stuff. And he said, well, that's what swung me to hire you because any storyboard artist is going to do competent work if you're professional, you know. Right. You're going to know how to do it. And so, you know, big deal. But, you know, you showed creativity or whatever. There was something he liked uh-huh. uh, when I showed him, so he hired me. But I would just, that, that leads me to, he was probably one of the most fun directors ever because he was a wild man. He's really, really funny and spontaneous. Yeah. Um, and during, during working on Darkman, I forget what I suggested, but, you know, one of those situations where I said, well, what if we did this? And he went, that is a great idea. And when the movie comes out, it will be my idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a huge, uh, You when we're talking about fan, I am a huge Sam Raimi fan. He's, he's probably my favorite director and. uh, and I, I've just never gotten over it. You know, I discovered Wells, I discovered Hitchcock, but still my 12-year-old brain watching The Evil Dead 2, which is probably one of the most fun films ever made. It's just fun, ridiculous films. Um, I just am a huge Sam Raimi fan still to the, my heart. And he's one of, the few, one of the few heroes that is still alive I've never gotten to meet, and I don't know that I ever will. But 
I, I was one, we we headed here to ask you about yeah, Dark Man and working with Sam Raimi because I've never heard anybody tell us. I've met a lot of people who know him, and I've never heard a negative story. No, he's a lot of fun. I showed up at his house one day <laughs> to do storyboards because that's where we did them. Uh huh. And uh, the Cohen brothers were there. Right. Oh, yeah. Because they he gave them friends. their start, correct? They were they were assistant editors, I think, on the original. Uh, I think Joel Cohen. His first kind of job was as an assistant editor on The Evil Dead. Okay, yeah. I knew they had, you know, I don't know the details of their mm -hmm. relationship, but I knew they were friends for a long time. Right. And and they they were influenced by Sam's style, mm -hmm. I think. Yep. You know, so, but they were there, and that was the kind of, the people, you know, that he was, uh, his girlfriend was Lisa Henson then, and, and she lived right across the street from his house. Uh -huh. And so he would go, let's go over to Lisa's house. She's not home, but she has ice cream. <laughs> and ate ice cream at her house, you know. <laughs> and he would do, he would just do, his brother Ted was really funny. And Ted was there. And yeah. um, Sam would be, you know, he, he loved the Three Stooges. Yeah. You see all the champ references, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. And he would, like Mo, you know, he would go, I'm telling you, you know, and... Uh, he was trying to make this sushi using canned tuna fish, rolling it up in seaweed paper. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is going to be great. And, you know, he had the theory of uh, micro the microwave pizza is like the microwave is a time machine. When you put the pizza in the microwave, it sends it back to the way it was yesterday. But then as it, coo as it cools off, it has a boomerang effect into the way it's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> The, the classic. He called it the classic. Yeah, the classic. He goes one, one day. He goes, ah, let's fuck this shit. Let's go take a ride in the classic. Mm -hmm. and I'm going, okay. So we went and got in his car, and he's zooming down the freeway in this car, laughing. And he's, he goes, this car doesn't know laws and roads and speed limits. <laughs> movie. And we're flying down the road. So, and I, I showed up at his house one day to work, and he forgot that we were supposed to work that day. So I knocked on the door, and I go, here I am. He goes, oh, shit, are we working? I said, well, I'm supposed to. And he goes, nah, screw it. Get in the car. We're going to see The Abyss. <laughs> so we got in the car, we went, to, we went to the screening of The Abyss, and he was sitting with John Landis and other people, and he told me, don't sit next to John Landis. He'll talk through the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so funny, because John Landis is in Dark Man. He has a cameo in Dark Man. Yeah, he does. I, I almost had a cameo in Dark Man, but I fucked up, I guess. I don't know what happened. I was, I was in the, the doctor's office when, uh, what's your name, Agutter, Jane? Ginny uh, uh, Agutter, yes, right? Yeah, yes, yes. she was the nurse. She's the nurse. And Dark Man had escaped from the hospital. Uh -huh. and I was dressed up as a doctor, and I was supposed to gesture like, I don't know what happened, you know, and, and uh, they didn't have time to fool around, you know. They shot my shot, and they and he didn't really give me any direction, so I didn't know what to do. And it ended up not being in the movie, but it was close. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's he, cool. He tried. He tried. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> no, he was just a lot of fun. And at the Abyss, um, there were some, you know, young guys I know that were movie maker type people. And they look over and they see me sitting with Sam Raimi and John Landis. And they're like, wow, you know? Yeah. And it was just some, now most people would have said, oh, I forgot we're working. Uh, go home. We'll, we'll. We'll do it tomorrow or something, you know. Uh -huh. And Sam said, hop in the, come on, we're going to see the abyss. <laughs> so that's, you know, the kind of guy that he was. So that was, 
really, really, really fun. I can't think of anybody that was like horrible, you know. Um, quite honestly, I always had a good time with with people. You know, when you do the storyboards, you are involved usually early on and not into the the, the, the horror and the warfare that the movie becomes. Right. Or can become, you know. So you're not in the trenches, you know, really. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty, it's a luxury job in a way. Mostly what I would do is go and meet with the director mm-hmm. and discuss a, a scene or a sequence. Right. And I would bring bring pencil and paper and sit down with the guy and draw pictures. And he would say, okay, I want to start with the two shot, then I want to cut to this, and then I want to do that, and then I want to dolly in on here, blah, blah, blah. So I'm drawing this real, real sketchy while we're talking. And that way I can say, you mean like this, and show him the sketch. And he will say yes or no, or he'll say, oh, yeah, but tighter, uh-huh. you know, or looser. You know, and then I go home and take a nap, you know, <laughs> do whatever I want, relax, and then sit down with the, the sketches and tighten them up, and you know, bring them in. And I did them real fast. And a lot of the old storyboard stuff I did, a lot of those Charlie Band movies, like The Lurking Fear, and uh, some right. of those, uh, oh, you know, which what are they called? Uh, some of the, a bunch of the Puppet Master movies. Oh, puppy! All those Full Moon films. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I did a ton of those, and the artwork is awful. I can't even look at it. It's like I don't even want anybody to see it because the point was not to make pretty drawings. The point was to make storyboards that work. That you know, yeah. that, that cut. and and they need it fast, and they appreciate when you do it fast. And so I did it real fast, but um, you know, it's not pretty. Uh huh. Um, that's the thing I was gonna, about my demon lover. Bernie Wrightson storyboarded a, a sequence or two, and that and. They're really beautiful drawings, of course. Right. Bernie Wright. The mm-hmm. drawings look really nice. They're not necessarily, at least what I saw, really good storyboards in terms of cutting together because Bernie didn't know film. Mm-hmm. And that's the, those things that you learn about what mean, what the difference between film and other comics and other kinds of continuity. You can be the greatest artist in the world, but that doesn't mean that your storyboards are going to be good. Right. Just because the drawings are pretty. And these days, there's a lot of value placed on beautiful drawings. You know, people do these comic book style finished renderings. It's why. You know, isn't what's there more important than how it's drawn? You know, it's stupid to waste that much time on it, I think. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, it's, it's a means to an end. Right. You know, the final product is the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I digress as usual. So, no, 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 no. This is this is this is wonderful. <laughs> well, talking about the uh, the blood and warfare of when the movie actually gets made, you worked on you did the story uh, storyboards for the Fantastic Four movie that never was released, uh, and yeah. you're featured in the documentary about the Superman film that was never released. Yeah. What is that? Pro- what is that process like to work on something and it never see the light of day? Yeah, and and to work with Tim Burton as well because you also worked yeah, you, on Mars Attacks. Yeah, you got uncredited for Mars Attacks, right? And Jane, and you also worked on James and the Giant Peach, which he produced. Yeah, know. yeah, 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 yeah. On James and the Giant Peach, we I went up to San Francisco to Skellington. That was Henry Selick's uh-huh. uh, studio up there where they did Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. Mm-hmm. And I worked for about nine months on uh, James and the Giant Peach, and then I knew they were going to do Mars Attacks, which I was like, I want to work on that. You know? uh-huh. Oh, God, yeah. So, uh, huh? 
I said, yeah, we yeah, agree. We were. I, yeah, if somebody told me that they were making Mars attacks, I would have been, I would have been foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. I know. And my first question was, are there going to be giant insects? And they were like, no, they're not. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, the Mars attacks thing. Is a whole saga unto itself. Um, but I made it known to the producer that I I really wanted to work on Mars attacks. So they. Um, <laughs> They hired me, and I got to work on it. And um, one of the, you want to hear anything about that? Oh, oh please, yes, please. please. We're, we're, we're just sitting here waiting for yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, the first thing that happened, I was in San Francisco, like I said, working on James and the Giant Peach, and we were winding down uh -huh. on Giant Peach. And, you know, we were in that part of the movie where everybody is bored to death. Feature animation is a whole thing. Feature animation is not like live-action movies. Um, live action movies are more like the train has left the station we yes. are rolling we gotta get this done because we're shooting in two months and we gotta get everything done and there's no time not much time to mess around and, and but you know live action features you know they fart around with stuff and they redo things and they yeah. mess with it and mess with it a lot more time goes into it and the storyboard artists are more properly called story artists yeah. in that context because they do create the story. There may be a script or not, but you know we create the story. Um, but anyway, um, uh, James and Giant Peach was getting really boring, and we were tired of being out of town too because we were transplanted up there, and we were wanted to go home, you know, yeah. after nine months. Um, so they they one. I think on a Friday they came up and they said, oh, Tim Burton wants you to come down to L.A. and meet with him on Monday and go to England on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? And so, they, yeah, that's what he wants. So I went home and I told Andrea, and she goes, well, what did you say? And I said, well, I told him I'd have to think about it. She goes, you idiot, tell them we'll go. Tell them yes. <laughs> and I, I said, well, they didn't say that we're going to send you. <laughs> and our son uh -huh. and he said we'll tell him we'll pay for them right we'll pay for ourselves and I went alright so we packed up and left San Francisco and drove to LA on the weekend I went to the meet Tim Burton Monday morning and I was on a plane to England the next day to meet with Barry Purvis who was the stop motion animator that was going to do the Martians yeah right. and and when I got to I met uh, I think her name was Lori Parker at the, uh, she was the producer at the time. She, she got replaced. But one of the things, Lori, when I got there and met with her, I said, well, I'm supposed to go to England tomorrow, but what about my wife and son? They want to go too. And she went, oh, we can send them. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So I was like, really? That's great. So <laughs> I went and told Andrea, and you know, we're, oh boy, we're going to England. So away we went. And when we got over there, Barry Purvis was just finishing a movie of his own called Achilles. It was a stop motion movie mm -hmm. with puppets. I mean, obviously with puppets, but um, he was busy. And when I got there, he said, I'm going to LA in two weeks. I'm going to be in LA. Yeah. Why did they send you here? And I said, I don't know, but here I am. <laughs> and he said, well, I don't, all right, I'll, I'll make time with you and we can, we can sit in the, in the pub after, in the evening and I can give you some stuff and you can do some storyboards and right. I said, okay so we had two weeks in England so we went to London and we were in the sort of the middle of England 
you got a free vacation out of it basically yeah yeah and we got to travel all over and barry would say well you know you guys might like to go to chester they have a great zoo or you might want to go to blackpool which uh-huh. is by the sea and they've got a big aquarium there that's really amazing and then, you know he would tell us neat places to go since we had nothing to do right except wait wait for his availability so you know we we did it we came back to la they brought barry over and they put on this new producer somewhere along the way and he was looking at the records he was going what the fuck is this we sent your wife and son to England (laughs) he goes I never would have approved this and I just looked at him like well you know what do you want me to do about it you know so Uh, really quick was that producer Larry Franco yeah Larry he was the producer but it was the uh, what's his name it was the production manager production like a line producer Uh, Okay, because I was thinking that Larry Franco actually produced that, and I'm sorry, the only reason I know the name is because he used to produce John Carpenter films. Sorry, but keep going. Yeah, he, 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 was, he got shot in the beginning of the thing. Yeah, that's yep. the guy that gets shot in the beginning of the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a guy over there that I had worked with a few times, and he, he was kind of like the money man, and he was grumbling about why did we send you, you know, all you guys to England, but it was like too late, you know. So. Right. So that was that. But then Mars Attacks, you know, they wanted to do stop motion Martians. Tim Burton said what he wanted to do was hire the crummiest effects house in Hollywood (laughs) and have them do their very very best. (laughs) Because, you know, he liked that Ed Wood sensibility, you know, and and he likes, as you know, he likes stop motion. So Uh he wanted uh, stop motion. But the thing is that the Martians had glass helmets when they were, you know, not in their spaceship right and the animators couldn't touch the glass helmets because they get fingerprints on them so they had to wear gloves and to do to shoot a shot with a martian you would have to put the helmet on take the picture take the helmet off move the head put the helmet back on take the next picture take the helmet off move the head you know <laughs> uh-huh. it added a layer of uh time and difficulty that you wouldn't normally have with stop motion because of these these glass helmets, uh-huh. and there were fa- there were factions in the studio that wanted just to go to ILM and have them do it, and Tim wanted to do stop motion, and eventually the studio won out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, they, so they did what they did. I am not a big fan of that movie, to tell you the truth, because it's not funny enough to be a comedy. It's not horror enough to be a horror. It's just to me, it's like he doesn't know what the hell it is. Now I know a lot of people love it and all that, but me it's just like because eh, i wanted it to have giant bugs <laughs> <laughs> well i saw it when i i saw it when it came out and it, it actually i didn't appreciate it till years later and now i think it's hilarious but it is a, okay maybe it is a bizarre film to come out of a studio yeah you know i mean well, they chicken out you know when when the skeletons 
where people got turned into skeletons, they painted them green, they yeah. painted them red, and they did weird, because they were trying to, they were afraid it would be too gory. Yeah. Right. So they were worried about that, you know, and then when they had the cattle, they, they were supposed to be burning uh-huh. on fire, and they kind of put this weird radiation glow on them or something. They were really timid about, we can't make this like Mars Attacks, and I'm like, yeah, but the whole thing of Mars Attacks yeah. is how gory and outrageous it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, that scene with the cows on fire, I'm glad it was at the very beginning of the movie because that almost took me out of it entirely and luckily I stuck in there. <laughs> because I'm like, the, yeah. the, the, the cow, the cows running and that whatever it was they were doing, it just, it looked fake to me. It, it killed me. It, yeah. it just, it killed me out of the movie for about five minutes and then I got back into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I have mixed feelings about it, and this is, you know, I, I worked on three Chucky movies, you know, and honestly, I, forgive me, Don Mancini, I've never told you this, but I'm a <laughs> big Chucky fan. Well, I was going to... Monsters Go, you know, movie monsters, a, a little talking killer puppet doll. <laughs> well, I... But I, I had a great time working on the movies. Yeah. But that's the thing is you can have a great time with a, a director and have a ball on a terrible movie. Not that it, that to say that the Chucky movies are terrible movies. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. The job can be a real lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, in recent years, I did a whole bunch of Adam Sandler movies. Uh-huh. And I'm not a big fan. I'm not a huge fan. You know, I like Happy Gilmore. It made me laugh. Yeah. But a lot of Adam Sandler movies, you know, that Jack and Jill one. Uh-huh. He played his own twin sister and stuff. Like, hey, but Dennis Dugan, the director, he yeah. was great. I had such a good time with him and so much fun. Um, and they treat you really well. Barry Bernardi is the producer over there, and he's hired me a bunch. And it's it's a fun bunch of people to work right. with. So, you know, so that's important. You know, you don't control. It's not my fault if the movie is bad or good or anything, you know, I, Right. I just do my part. And if I have fun and make a living at it, you know, I also, you know, in the um, animation, you know, you, you're in the, uh, well, Art Directors Guild is what I was in. That's the live action thing, the animation union earlier in that. And you get health benefits. So I have lifetime health benefits for me and my wife uh-huh. from working. And that is really a lifesaver, no pun intended. No, literally, yes, absolutely. It, well, let, it really is because if something happens to you, um, you know you can just get wiped out. Yeah. So the insurance is really critical. You know, Jack Kirby never had insurance until he worked in animation. Yep. All of his career he had, and never in his life did he have health coverage until he worked at Ruby Spears mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he joined the animation union and and he had coverage. You know, it's it's crazy that somebody like that. Yeah has got health insurance you know so let me let me ask you this about because this is kind of a weird thing in your career going to animation but going also tying it into your live action work you worked on the bill and ted's excellent adventures animated series is it weird yeah, that, that I, was, I was the art director on that yeah exactly was it weird that you were the art director and then you went from that to working with alex winter as a director in the movie freaked yeah well, I didn't meet him on Bill and Ted on the on the cartoon. Right. It was just kind of weird how that had, that that worked out. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and Tom Stern was his partner, and um, that was a fun movie. The Kyoto Brothers did some work in that. Uh huh. Um, a lot of special effects. Really wacky movie. Um, you know those those uh, like almost Big Daddy Roth kind of makeups that they did. Right. Um, that that was a you know really interesting one, and they were so nice. That's one of those other things that's funny is when they gave really beautiful crew jackets to everybody yeah on that um and with hideous mutant freaks embroidered on it (laughs) (laughs) yeah what was the title hideous mutant freaks i don't know what happened was it it called freaked or something yeah it's called freaked that's a movie that was probably ahead of its time yeah yeah Yeah, but they but the lower budget movies vamp they gave out a beautiful crew jacket and Shawshank Redemption, believe it or not, was a low-budget movie. Uh-huh. Uh, it turned out to be a good movie and a hit and very popular and all that. But, you know, nobody knows that when you're making the movie. But they, they had crew jackets that were really nice. Then you get to Warner Brothers and Mars Attacks, and they say, Oh, we're, uh, you know, if anybody wants to buy a crew jacket, sign up here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they have all the money in the world. Yeah. I know, and you know they didn't give me a credit, <laughs> and um, I, I was concerned about that because I'd heard rumors. So I called up Warner Brothers and I said, "Am I going to get uh, credit on Mars Attacks?" And they said, "Well, you'll have to talk to Norma Fuss. If ever there was a woman with a perfect name, <laughs> <laughs> the type the person she was, it was it would have to be her." So I call up Norma Fuss, and this woman answers the phone. And I said, I'm Devon Sholly. I worked on Mars Attacks. I want to find out if I'm getting a credit. She goes, no. And I said, what do you mean no? And she said, well, they sent your name over on the credits, but I took it off. Hmm. And I said, why did you take it off? She goes, Warner Brothers doesn't credit storyboard artists, which is not true. Huh. And I and I was, I said, well, you just took it off? She goes, yep. And I said, you know, well, I don't work for people that don't give me credit. She goes, well, I have nothing to do with that. She was just the bitchiest person. And, you know, it was really annoying because if you don't get your name on a movie, you know, it's almost like you didn't work on it. Absolutely. And you can go to the you can go to the IMDB now and you can say, hey, I worked on this movie. Like, if you, I think on IMDB, uh, on Mars Attacks, my name is there and it says uncredited. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uncredited, yeah, because of Norma Fuss. And I don't really know why she, why she did that. What does it cost them? To put a little, you know, a little line of credits, you know. Mm-hmm. But they don't. You and 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 before that, I never had a question about it, or I never had, I never didn't get credit. Uh huh. So it's like, why don't I get credit? There was only three storyboard artists on most of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh Me and and uh, and uh, Michael Anthony Jackson and Robin Richardson, the three of us did most of it, mm-hmm. and um, and we had a great time, you know. Um, but they, I don't know if they, I get, they, Michael did, did a lot of work for Tim Burton. He was kind of like his right-hand storyboard guy. Yeah. But um, I don't know if Robin got credit or not, but it's just one of those things that's annoying, you know. I was going to tell you about Charlie Band, one other thing, you know. When Paramount took over his operation because they were giving him money, we gave you $2 million to make this movie. It looks like you made it for 10 cents. What, what, what happened? Yeah. So they, they got, they, and I don't know, I, I think Charlie was was spending the money building his studio and stuff. He wasn't putting it on the screen, I, right. I, I believe. Um, 
And so when Prehysteria was a big hit, um, I said, well, what about the backhand money? Knowing, you know, even even real people in big movies get robbed of backhand money. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. What did I think, you know? But uh, they basically said, well, we didn't make any money on it, you know, if, you know, balanced against all the other things. And besides, you know, you'd have to talk to Paramount. Well, Paramount is just another, you know, they're the same. They're, right. You know, they're notorious, too. Um, you know, about coming to America, Art Buckwald and all that. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, I went to Paramount and I said, what about this movie? And they said, well, your deal's with Full Moon. So we have nothing to do with it. And you go to Full Moon and they say, no, no, you have to talk to Paramount. Uh-huh. So they just bat you back and forth and, you know, you just go, well, you know, I, I was warned. But I made good money on Prehistoria and Andrea sculpted these great dinosaurs and she got paid. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm not bitter about it. Um, I just wish it was a better movie. Mm, yeah. And Pet Shop, too. I had this idea, you know, that there's an alien pet shop. Do you ever see Pet Shop? You know, about I have never seen no, Pet Shop. That's one of the few I haven't. Yeah. That's the one we well, hadn't seen. Another, you're not missing much. But the <laughs> idea was, you know, some aliens open up a pet shop in a little town, and they've got alien pets. And what they, what they really want to do is entice Earth children into the pet shop and get them pets and stuff. And then they're going to abduct them to sell in their pet shop back home on their home planet. Well, they're now I want to see it. In yeah. The pet shop. yeah. See, now that could be a cool movie, maybe. You know, and but it just got watered down, and they wouldn't. The pets were supposed to be, you know, really cool and able to do all kinds of things, and they they were very limited puppets, and they couldn't. You know, the whole thing was like, eh, you know, just not what I was hoping. You know, right. So, but I've in 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 more recent years, you know, I've been doing my own comics and books, and I've done some kickstarters. Yeah, and done well you know made money and put my books out and this is this is the real fun because it's what i always wanted to do in the first place was comics yeah i was gonna say you're 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 working your your work uh um with the the hp lovecraft stuff is amazing oh thank you yeah see now i grew up liking hp lovecraft and when i would go to albany new york i'd go to those used bookstores i was talking about yeah you know, you dig through these piles of these stinking old paperbacks and you find, you know, the case of Charles Dexter Ward or something like mm-hmm. that. It's like, wow. You know, it's like a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. Again, you couldn't, you know, you just couldn't just go get these things then. So it was like discovering something really fun and the stories would sort of interconnect. It would be names mentioned here and names mentioned there. And um, I, I illustrated one book just on my own and try to interest publishers in it. The one called The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath or Kadath or Kadath, whatever, I don't know how you're supposed to say it. You know that one, it's a fantasy. It's kind of like Lovecraft's Lord of the Rings, if they're... If yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy, Randolph Carter, has this big epic, but there's all kinds of monsters and fantastic lands that they go to. It's in the dream, dreamlands. And um, it's not his greatest story but it's really full of stuff to make neat pictures and so I met uh, through Ramsey Campbell the British writer uh huh familiar with Ramsey Campbell PS Publishing mm-hmm. yeah and Ramsey was really great and he introduced me to Pete Crowther and he I t- pitched him the dream quest of unknown Kidaf and he said this is great I'll do this we'll put this out as a book and let's do a whole series it's like really he said yeah so 
I got to do all those Lovecraft things, which was just, for me, you know, what an amazing thing to be yeah. able to do. Nice books. You've seen them, some of them, I guess, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, that, um, the imagery just blew me away. Well, the books are, thank you, and the books are very nice. They're hardcover books, and you, most of them have wraparound artwork on the covers. And yeah. the actual cover of the book is the artwork without the type on it, which is really nice if you're the artist, because the cover has the, you know, the UPC or whatever they call that mm-hmm. barcode thing and the titles and everything. But underneath that, your, your artwork is clean on the book covers. And there's 17 volumes, so a lot of pictures that I that I got to make. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's my my pleasure now. I did a, a skeleton crew book for them also, it's a Stephen King's collection. Uh-huh. And some stuff with Ramsey Campbell. And I just had uh, I've been really a lucky guy, you know. One friend of mine says, "We are the guys we always wanted to be." That's wow. that's awesome. I need to check out the skeleton crew one. Now I am James. You have another question. Well, I was actually. I was gonna say. I, I know we're. Uh, I don't want to keep you all night, but this has been phenomenal. But what are uh, um, for people that are listening to the podcast? What are some things that you've got coming out soon, or that yeah. you think people should be checking out? Or how do they get a hold of your stuff? Well, I have a. I got. I, I, you know, my last name is Von Schally. Right? Mm-hmm. When I when I moved to Hollywood, you can see the Hollywood sign from everywhere right right so there's the hollywood sign up on the hill and then they have the supermarket called vons v-o-n-s vons is a supermarket chain uh-huh so i'm looking up at the hollywood sign i see vons supermarket with the v-o-n-s i'm going you know if you put the v-o-n-s in front of hollywood it spells von shollywood mm-hmm. and i went that's kind of funny you know <laughs> and so later on when i was doing a book i i, I needed sort of a name and i thought well Von Shollywood, I guess. Why not? You know, yeah. it's not that it's so great, but what the hell? So I ended up kind of using that. So I had a website, vonshollywood.com, and it lapsed, and somebody stole the name. So I registered vonshollywood.net instead. Okay. So if anybody wants to look at vonshollywood.net, um, there's a bookstore on there. Okay. And you can order you can order any of my self published books. I've got a history of monsters book. Have you seen that? Yes, yes. sir. Anybody? Yes. Yes. yes, it's beautiful. Thank you. So that was, that's, you know, that can be ordered, and, and I've done other self-published collections and all that stuff. But anyway, you, you know, the it's on the website. I don't expect to make a lot of money. I don't know. I just do what I what I like doing. But if people want it, you know, you can go on there and, uh, and get it. Um, we got another book coming out from PS. Oh, well, I did it. A book that IDW is supposed to put out called Fantastic Fictioneers. Yes. And it's a book, it's a book of about 100 people, and we have, it's really, really diverse. So um, it's got, you know, it features Harlan Ellison and Ray Bradbury and <laughs> Isaac Asimov and people like that, Robert Heinlein, as well as Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Frank Frazetta and people that you might not know, like Mo Golub, an illustrator that painted all the two rock covers back in the day for Dell. He's yeah. a fantastic artist. And nobody knows him, you know. So, and we've got, you know, Gustave Doré is in there and Alfred Hitchcock. And it's, it's just people who have done important and influential 
things. They could be film directors. Sam Raimi is in it. And mm-hmm. I did portraits of all the people. So there's about 100 <clears throat> different people. So I did 100 portraits. Charles Adams and Dan Wilson. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, you know, Harvey Kurtzman and, you know, Will Elder. All these people are in this book. And then the publisher, now he asked me, this is P.S. Publishing in England. He said, well, you know, you know a lot of people. You could get people to write essays for this book. And I said, well, how am I going to get them to write essays? He says, just ask them. You know, most people are happy to do it. And I said, well, I, don't, I can't pay them. And he said, eh, you know, like, they'll do it. They don't care. They'll be happy to do it. So mm-hmm. I went, all right. So I felt kind of awkward about that. But a lot of people just said, sure, you want, you know, you're, you're the guy, the S.T. Joshi is sort of the leading uh, Lovecraft scholar. He's, uh-huh. you know, in Lovecraft land, Joshi is sort of the, you know, the go-to guy. And I've become friends with him and he wrote the feature on uh, Lovecraft and also Arthur Mackin and Lord Dunsany and all these people that yeah. you've probably heard of, but you don't really, most people just like, oh, Arthur Mackin, I've heard of him. Uh-huh. Uh, he wrote The Great God Pan. That was an influence on the Dunwich Horror. And so we have Arthur Mackin in there and there's a portrait of him and, a, and an essay written by Joshi. That you can flip through this book and find all kinds of fascinating people and pictures and information about them. It's sort of meant to be a kind of a fun book to pick up. Yeah, so one, one of my fa- one of my favorite illustrations. Sorry, Peter. One of one of my favorite one of my favorite illustrations is that of uh, Charles Adams that you did. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that is really cool. I'm actually we pulled it up now and I'm looking at it. It's a good forey next to it, but you're right. The Charles Adams looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I love Charles Adams was one of the first artists. Had him and Dr. Seuss <laughs> when I was really really young. Yeah. Uh, th- that I knew who they were because their their stuff. You know, you'd get a. Uh, my parents for some reason had a Charles Adams book in the house. Uh, you know, they collected his stuff from New Yorker in the books, and we had a Charles Adams cartoon book, and I just loved it. You know, because Charles Adams was kind of the first guy cartoonist to claim the macabre yeah. for his own yeah and um and he participated in the creation of the adams family tv show he named the characters uh-huh. and uh, he, he got financially he profited from that so that's a happy story of a person that you know uh dealt with showbiz if you will and uh, yep. made out you know and got right. paid decently um, but yeah, I, I love him. So the, the picture is, you know, the, the Adams family doing it, conjuring him up in a seance. Yep. As you see. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a nice article about Charles Adams in there. Yes. And um, we got we got great great stuff in this book. And so, like I said, IDW is supposed to put it out. I don't know when this, but we're working on it with them. So that's going to be really 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 neat. Um, well, we expect. We expect signed copies sent to us. <laughs> I missed that one. I'm sorry. I, we expect signed copies sent to us. Since you're, yes, absolutely. We'll give you our, our address. <laughs> sorry. Don't hold your breath because these things take publishing takes forever. It's yeah. yeah. That's why I, I do my own books and do the Kickstarters. Yeah. Because I don't have to deal with. I make more money than I do most of the time with, with ordinary publishing. You know, I, IDW put out Spinecrawler. That's a graphic novel that I wrote and illustrated. You probably never heard of it. Uh-huh. And it, it's 100 pages. It's a horror story. It's 
it's really cool. It's got all kinds of neat stuff in it. But, you know, you don't get a lot of promotion. You know, you have to kind of be your own promoter, which I hate. You know, I'm happy to talk to you guys about it, you know, like you, because we're just talking and it's... Yeah, yeah I know. But to really be a promoter and get publicity is like, eh, you know, I want to spend my time making stuff, not selling stuff, which uh, is not to my, to my uh, best interest, maybe. No, I, I completely... We have the same thing with the, with the podcast and the show. You have to get out there. You can't just put it up. Because there's a thousand, there's millions of voices now, and you have to be louder than the other million voices to get your voice out there. Yeah. And it and it's effort, exactly. and it takes. I mean, we were, and we all have children too, and we have jobs, professional careers, and whatnot. And you know, it's just a lot of work. You're absolutely right, and it's not it's not the <laughs> yeah, kind of work you, you want to be doing. No, and if you ever do a Kickstarter, yeah, um, it's 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 a chore. You know, you, you you don't just put the thing up and sit back and let, you know, you've got to sit there every day and write to people and pester people, which I hate. You know? I know. It's like, hey, I got this Kickstarter thing, you know, go look at it, give me money, buy yep. a book, you know. Um, it, and, it, you know, for 30 days, however long your campaign lasts, it's a campaign. Yes. It's just like a, like a war or running for office, it's a real campaign. And um, it takes it takes a lot of work. So yeah. I'm not, I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it. But on the good side, you get, you've, you've sold, you know, a, hundred, a couple hundred books, whatever you sell already. Yeah. And then you, you get the money. So you know you have enough money to pay the printer and postage and all that stuff, plus make a little dough for yourself. Yeah. So it's, and you did it without waiting for other people and trying to convince them. You know, one thing that, you think, oh, if I could just get my movie made, oh, if I could just get my yeah. novel written, published, or my comic published, whatever that is, um, it's so hard to do that, you know, to get a studio to make your movie, mm -hmm. or a, somebody to publish your book, and w if they say yes, they'll do it, they'll make the movie, you think, yes, I've done it, hooray, I'm, thank, I'm a success, it doesn't mean a damn thing if the movie is not a hit, right. or the book is not, doesn't sell. So you go through this enormous battle to win this one thing, and then that's only half the battle. Mm -hmm. You know, you find out if your book lays there like a lox, then it's almost the same as if it never even got published. So, right. But what are you going to do? You know, you, I believe in persistence. Uh, we agree. We agree. Yeah. Believe me, before we went into, this is one of the more successful things we've done because we've made short films for years that no one bothered to watch or wanted to look at or give us any kind of thing. We've had more success with this than anything that we've done in the last 20 years as friends. So we totally understand. You just you just got to keep beating at the doors and making connections. And really, it's just talking to you all like this because we love production people, right? Yes. We love people behind the scenes because that's where all the great stories are when it comes to comics and, and films. It's not the actors hanging out in the trailers. It's the, the people who are actually on the set or actually there the, to making yeah. them. The people who build the world. Who I build mean, the world. I, I think storyboarding. I think writing. I think creating. Those are the people that make the world that we see, and the actors just populate it. Yeah. So, <laughs> we've well, been I, we've been fortunate. Because, I, you know, God bless you guys and all of you, you know, and I hope you... Well, I thank you. This is going to do you, but I hope you have <laughs> success with what you're trying to do. And I have a million things. I've got, you know, I, I always tell people, 
well, I got a million of them. And then I say, no, really, a million. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> right. I, I do. You ever see, uh, well, I, I, just stay in touch, and I'll tell you about stuff as it uh, Well, we will. We will. Uh, Pete, Pete, this has been great, and we don't want to keep you too long. We've already had you on here like two hours, and we're so sorry. Yeah, you're, the, you're our longest interview yet. We usually, <laughs> we usually don't go this long. <laughs> this has all been great. It's, it's great, and our audience I'm, I'm, will love it. I'm sitting here jumping up and down on the couches. <laughs> Honestly, it was worth it just for the Sam Raimi story about him saying not to sit next to John Landis. I've never met John Landis. I know a lot of. I've met a lot of people who've met John Landis. I've watched a lot of interviews, and that man can talk. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's great. He literally did a podcast uh, episode with Kevin Pollock where he talked nonstop for three straight hours, and it's still Kevin Pollock's longest show. <laughs> Was with John Landis well, for three know, hours. I, I think that people like me don't get to talk to people about this stuff very often. Oh, so the fact that anybody's interested in it is fun, and you know, I've had a great time. Good. Oh, thank you. Good. So talking about it is cool. Well, well, Pete, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, When you start doing your next Kickstarter or something, why don't you give us a call? Why don't you let us know? Uh, We will give be in contact with you when this is up. Uh, What we do is we're usually a few weeks behind. We're always ahead. So we're uh, like I said, we have professional jobs. So we and we try to do a good job of putting the video together. It's not one static shot. It's different cuts for the YouTube. Uh, so when we put it up, which will be a few weeks, I don't, I'm not for sure how long. I'm looking over our producer director, and she's not for sure either. So when we put it up, share it with everybody that you can with all your social media, and we'll promote the hell out of it for you. And then the next time you have something, oh, let us know, and we'll get it out there, okay? And we'll put yeah, up a link to you know, uh, your whatever, website. You know, yeah. Feel free to use images, whatever you can, or if you need something, you know, uh, the last time I asked you for an image, you sent me a dick pic, man. <laughs> I mean, I appreciated it. It's not usually, I, I mean, I'm not into that, but hey, it was impressive. <laughs> Thank you for your time, though. This has Thank been you. phenomenal. Thank you, Pete. And this is Joe and Chad. And, ju- and we will be uh, in contact you uh, in contact with you uh, not only about letting you know about the website uh, we'll put your website on it but also when it'll be up and if you could uh, we'll be in contact with you in the next couple of days to send us a, a headshot yeah. whichever photo you want to use for this okay sure alright thank you guys thank, thank you so you. much have a wonderful night and tell your wife we said hello I will alright thank you bye bye Thank you so much, Peter Von Schalley. That was amazing. It was fascinating, and we loved it. Yeah, we, it was a great two hours you spent with us. We can't we, thank him enough. We can't thank you enough. Also, we can't thank Mick Strawn enough. Yes. Thank so, you, Mick Strawn. Please stop sending us hateful, hateful emails. No, keep sending us hateful emails. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like those messages on Facebook, but the, the dick pics are a little much. So as we continue to do these interviews, as we continue, we hope that you're in, you all as an audience are enjoying them. We continue to get the people that are behind the scenes, that are building the worlds that make the movies. <laughs> the not building any, better worlds. Not, Next week, Waylon Utani. 
<laughs> not taking anything away from actors, but the people who do the storyboards, that do the film, uh, do the setup, and do the set construction. These are the people that make the movies. Joe, I talk with my hands, you annoying jerk. Um, Where are you going to put your hands at, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> these are the people that make the movies. So that's why we do on this show, we try to interview a lot of behind the scenes people. We hope you're enjoying it. If you do enjoy it, if you don't enjoy it, if you want to do something else, hit subscribe. Uh, that's how we know that you people are listening and that you're enjoying what we do. If there are other behind-the-scenes people you would like to us to try to interview, let us know that as well. Subscribe and comment. Subscribe. iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. We'll see you next week on Bonehead. Maury. You are not the father. Mm -hmm. You are not the father. You're the father. (laughs) Oh, no. That electronic penis is crazy again. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got impregnated. (laughs) By the great flavor of Popeye's chicken. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. Love them biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Popeye's. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>